Hello and welcome to Minding Your Mind, all about your mind and how it works, mental illness and mental health. I'm with Professor Ian Hickey, psychiatrist and co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. So it's nice to have friends, isn't it? They're periods of our life when our friends are almost everything, school, the teenage years, our 20s, it's often all about the friend group, a common pattern um, getting older is becoming less reliant on friends, less diligent in keeping up with them. Partners, kids, mortgages, often friends scatter geographically and suddenly you find that the people you used to know everything about and who used to know everything about you, well, you don't even know where they live anymore. You don't even know how many kids they have. So how important is friendship at different stages of life? How important is friendship for good mental health? Ian, are you a good friend? I thought you were say, and maybe you start with a song, you know, you've got to have friends. You've got to have friends. You've got to have friends. Uh, am I a good friend? No. I think I'm like most blokes. I think I under-attend. Mm. Even though I say it's important, I think in truth I under-attend to the importance of friendships. Now, I blame having a lot of family for this. You, know, you do like have many, a big family. Like many people. A lot of siblings, a lot of like, kids. A lot of stuff. You know, and like many men, I'd say, you know, in the course of my life, you know, that focus on intimate relationships, kids, family, whatever, occupies a lot of time and effort. Mm. And so it should. There's a real downside to that, which is, and I think in the hierarchy of social relationships, we're all have tendency, certainly in Western societies, to say, well, that's most important, that's your primary responsibility, and it takes a lot of time and effort. And some of us, including myself, don't do that that well. Um, so, you know, friends, what does that matter? That's like second yeah. order, third order. It's not second order or third order. In fact, one of the things I think through the COVID era and modern society becomes more and more evident is the extent to which we need to foster those things that we've called friends. Yeah. Th- those relationships that are actually quite consequential, even if they're not our exactly our everyday life, but they provide essential scaffolding, social support, stuff that matters. And from a mental health point of view, definitely associated with better mental health and well-being, the richer that friendship network. And my particular preoccupation is when things go bad, which in most people's lives they will at some point. That's where you need friends. Period. You've got to have friends. So my, uh, my perspective is that I reckon from the age of 30 – when coincidentally I uh, met Lucy and we started to live together, I ignored my friends for about 20 years. And to, to be fair, they ignored me a fair bit too. Like we're all busy doing stuff, families and careers and that. And then at the start of COVID, I rediscovered them all and uh, through various things and so the last couple of years, I've been very much connected with those old friends again, and it's been unreal. And I'd say one of the biggest regrets of, of my life is is having that long period where I kind of did let things go. Then nothing disastrous came out of it, but I think, oh, I could have probably missed out on some really good times then. And But the, but the interesting thing was putting the band back together, friendship-wise, with two or three different groups was really, really easy. Like with people you've known for a long time and had a long break for. So like after two minutes, same old dumb jokes. It's good. <laughs> so you, you've just given the most perfect case example. Yeah. Now, the only thing that you could add I'm to the case it. example, I, I don't wish this upon you, but just imagine if your relationship with Lucy had fallen apart in the middle of that yes. and you didn't have any friends. Yes. Which is the common situation for many men 
in this situation. It'd be interesting to go and ask Lucy whether she lost all her friends. Many women she maintain did. many women maintain their friendships throughout. Yep. So how come they got the time? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, because they're good at it. So many and, women and priorities, and they prioritise despite child and relationships. It's a very common story that many women maintain to much greater degree their friendships during those key parenting and other years. And when things fall apart or when things get difficult or when they're just having relationship difficulties, they go talk about it with friends. They get support from friends. They've got a supportive network, this sort of social scaffolding out there when many men don't. And then when when the central bit falls apart, like their intimate relationships, they're really on their own and they're really in trouble. And men often don't realise the extent to which exactly what you just said, they would have benefited and perhaps their relationships would have benefited if they'd had more friends during those yeah, particular periods. And, and you've talked about it before as almost being like uh, house insurance. Like you pay all this money every year that you hope you'll never use, but it's there. Friends, look, you know, when you're really busy and you don't have time, but you put the time in knowing that when things go bad, they'll be there. Yes, so one of my favourite sis- sisters has said to me in the past, Ian, it's like farming. You've got to tend the social fences. Mm, very nice. You know, they've got, to be, they've got to be there when you need them to be there. And that takes – it does take time and prioritisation. And, and I think in our modern world, we're all guilty of this to some degree. And I was just saying the COVID thing I think is just to emphasise it. We've got social disconnection, social isolation. Yeah. You don't have it. You're in trouble. Yeah. So we need it to thrive ordinarily. It's kind of interesting – the way we live our lives in more separate ways, we live more individually, we don't live in such shared accommodation, we have looser relationships in workplaces and other areas. We're not so much, we don't participate so much mm. in community groups, sporting groups, church groups. We don't form those sort of social groups and then have, and then within those social groups have specific relationships, people we get on with, people who actually understand us, you know, in various yeah. ways. I'm very... Um, Fortunate to have gone to medical school where people form these deep friendships at a certain stage of life. In fact, I met last night somebody I haven't seen in 30 years. No. It's like we've never been apart. (laughs) We have stories, we have commonality, we have understanding. I'm thinking, oh my God, why didn't I stay in contact with her? (laughs) She's someone someone who understands me quite well. (laughs) But but don't you think on that? Like, I form lots of good friends at school, I form lots of good friends at uni. And at the end of uni, I think I kind of assumed that that was just the way it was so that I would continue to form all these great friends through every stage of my life. But actually, my best friends are mainly from school and uni. So, And they're far more intense experiences, aren't they? So, yeah, often it, it is the old ones that understand us best and the best ones. So that's really interesting. That is absolutely the case. So you go and ask people about friendships. They'll generally tell you about these things from their adolescence, their early adult life, etc., suggesting that we were much more open at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to forming those kind of relationships. They were much more reciprocal. And then we get in relationships, get married, kids and whatever else. We get more kind of closed off, really. Mm, we do. <laughs> we're more transactional. You know, We're not that interested in what's going to actually happen to people. We're interested in what we've got to do with them or whatever. I say this because I think the classic workplace relationship can often be like that, just transactional. But I think people underestimate how important workplace-based relationships are, friendships. So many, many more people these days are dependent not on churches, community groups, sporting groups, but actually relationships. Mm. And I often say to people, oh, i got friends at work? They go, friends? No, I've got people I work with. I go, no, 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 friends, you know, not just people you transact with. You know, how important are they? How much do they understand? Do you get beyond the particular thing? As part of trying to encourage people 
to continue to form those friendships, perhaps not to the same degree as they did as teenagers and young adults when they didn't have a lot of other, you know, intimate family. Doing shared tasks with yeah. someone is very bonding. Yeah. Well, if it works. <laughs> not if it doesn't work. But if, if you work relatively harmoniously, it kind of at the end you feel a bit closer to them than if you've just sat around talking about stuff for an hour. Yeah, so th- it's hard to artificially. If you go and tell the people, go and form a friendship group, you know. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Book club. Go and join the book club. Go and do whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, even book club has a ostensible purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I love recently I was talking to a female friend. She said, go to book club. I said, oh, like, books? She said, I don't know. We don't read books anymore. Yeah. We've stopped doing that. You know? No, we've got a shared purpose. <laughs> but that was the task. But the purpose we now recognise is actually just to get together and provide support. Mm. But we're so open. But it was originally around a task gave us yeah. gives us an excuse to come together. Other ones, interesting, through adversity, I was going to say most people who've most people who've been through medical schools like myself and then being young doctors, they feel they've been through the trenches together. <laughs> you know, they've, mm. they've dealt with the adversity of developing an identity and a yeah. difficult thing, and then they're strongly kind of bonded. People. Whereas at law school, we just went to lectures, <laughs> you know, a hundred and listened to one one person talk to a hundred people, and it wasn't really bonding at all. And competed with each other. Yeah, <laughs> I was even talking to a law lecturer a little while ago who said, you know, they'd lost. In fact, they'd lost the collegiate nature of it. I mean, so common yeah. tasks. Whereas at medical school, you do stuff, don't you? You cut up rats or whatever you do. <laughs> you do stuff. Yeah, and you're trying to deal with something that personally usually is really challenging. When I was uh, becoming a psychiatrist, people were strongly encouraged to form groups together because mm. to, it's very personally confronting. People may not know this, but becoming a psychiatrist ain't that easy. You know, there's a lot of confronting kind of stuff. There's a lot of things about yourself and the world you're dealing with and disturbed behaviour and the support of others going through that process is critical. Yeah. And I would say from the same thing, I've got friends out of that experience, you know, for life. So it's interesting, the doing and doing serious things together. So it's not trivial. I was sort of trivialising book clubs there a minute ago, but, you know, trying to do something. People volunteer together. They go and do Mm. tasks together. And out of that, they developed these these bonds, these attachments in the wider world that really matter. So I think you raised an important issue of being task-orientated. It's not trivial. Well, here's an example. I'm in this tennis group, and it used to be uh, an hour and a half tennis, then a quick beer and a pizza afterwards. Now it's an hour tennis, and definitely the beer and the pizza afterwards last more than an hour. So, But, but if it was just... Tuesday night, let's go out for a beer and a pizza. I don't reckon it'd be on. Like you need the task, playing an hour of tennis doubles, it's not that strenuous, to, um, <laughs> you know, to create it. But the main part of it is the social bit after. You bet. Hmm. Let's go to men's sheds and other activities, particularly for many people. If you say, oh, I want you to go and form a group and talk, people go, oh, no way, I don't have time for let's that. make something, then we can talk. Or we all need to exercise, be active, go mm. do the tennis bit and, and enjoy that and actually be doing something where you don't have to talk. You can just be with people. Mm. In the middle of that, stuff will happen. Yeah, it <laughs> and will. And then if you're really good at it, it'll keep going in the pub and afterwards. And knowing that, you can ring those blokes up, you know, and they'll actually often – often they're very useful people. They know how to do something else or you rely on them. they got they got skills. Many people in my world do have skills that I don't have. Like, how do you fix this? Or where do you go to do that? Or And yeah. people are very generous. Oh, sure, I can fix that. I know a bloke who does that, how to do that particular thing. Or you really should go and, you know, get the best out of it. And we don't make enough use of those kind of things to get us out of other just minor everyday pickles. And I go one step further, which is often their wider networks to, you know, I often say to my kids, I'm no good at that. But I know this bloke who is, <laughs> you know, or can help with that in a particular yeah. kind of way. 
and share, actually end up sharing responsibilities for other things. So not having yeah. to do everything myself, which I'm particularly good at delegating to other people, you know, but actually when it's through friends, when it's through mutual stuff, oh, yeah, I'm perfectly happy to do that for you. And then in return, you'll probably do stuff for me. You know, and life's yeah, a good yeah. deal easier. P- problems are more easily solved, actually, in that kind of way. So I think in the modern world, because of this, we're busy and the disconnected, we're disconnected lives we lead, we've underrated just how important. Friends just can seem mm. a tacky American sitcom, not a real, <laughs> and not so a real substantive, you know, thing. Well, well, what makes a good friend? You know, if you're a friend of someone, what qualities are important? Probably a lack of judgment. I feel, oh, non-judgment. I, no, not without judgment, non-judgment. Yeah, like <laughs> I feel with my friends, if I do something bad, I can go to them and tell them and they'll – as they say, have my back. They won't say, you're a bad person. They'll say, well, James, how can I help you with this? Yeah, so I think one of the things we're used to in our intimate relationships is, you know, there is, they are judgmental. You know, we make judgments about <laughs> you really shouldn't have done that. And there's a price to be paid in our intimate relationships, family relationships, when things go wrong, right? It's difficult. Yeah. With friends and others, oh, yeah, that's what you did. <laughs> yeah, good. Moving on now. Yeah. You know, so right. that non-judgmental kind of way of dealing with things and supporting you no matter what. Yeah. That they're around. You know, they're around. It, for whatever set of reasons, you seem to need more of their company at the moment. You seem to be there. Then actually that's fine. Mm. They're there. They're there. You know. Yeah. They're not suddenly angry with you, annoyed with you, you know, got other issues they're trying to sort out with you. They're just there mm. And mm. to provide that support. So the reciprocity of that, of course, the consequence of that is – you should be there for them. when they need it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Even if you don't want to be. Yeah. And in the same way, in a sort of non-judgmental, supportive kind yeah. of way, not to get involved. I think sometimes one of the problems when friendships go wrong, if you like, mm. is getting over-involved, over-dependent in particular kind of things. Oh, I see. You know, um, and you see this. I see this as some of the female networks sort of dragging the friends into the fight with the partner or the family right. or whatever else. You go, nah, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, the supportive thing is kind of interesting about how how it stays at that kind of friendship level. So you can be very close without being in the same kind of intimate relationship that you're in with the actual intimates in your life. Mm. We'll come back to friendships falling apart because that's interesting. We'll talk about that a bit later. But is there a test of friendship? I have a test of friendship. And I've only developed do it tell. in the last two years. Come on, do tell. What's the James O'Loughlin test of friendship? Someone you can rely on when things go bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, no fair, and actually we're, we're that's, fair weather friends, no. That is slightly different from someone you have a good time with. So someone you have a good time with is good, but – if something happens and you really need someone, actually say you have 20 friends who you have a good time with, there will be some of them who you think, well, they were really there for me. But there will usually be someone who you think, oh, I'm, they, were, they weren't really. And good, so that's the test. test. I now I, only, now I, I used to have 20, now I've got 14. <laughs> Jeez, that many. <laughs> well, I don't know. It might not be that Well, many. I think it's very interesting sort of Facebook friends. You know, there's acquaintances. There's people you know, yeah. right? But I'd never rely on them. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't contact them in a crisis. Yeah. Because I know. I know the good time ones are really interesting. I know people who are fabulous to spend time with. When things are good. When things are good. Would I rely on them? 
if I rang them at a crisis, they're bound to be busy. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they wouldn't be helpful. Yeah. Or they wouldn't be just. It wouldn't be people that I'd share my own distress with. I just, you know, they they're good yeah, time that's people. Right. They're good to they're go to dinner with. Friends. Yeah, they're good to go do stuff with. Yeah, they're not friends. They're acquaintances. Mm. And the world should have acquaintances. You'd have you yeah, should acquaintances. Have acquaintances. Are good fun. <laughs> they're good yeah. fun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but not to be relied upon. No. So if you go and look at the number of people that people but have, but also you don't really know. I don't know if you're talking about that theoretically, but often you don't really know until some sort of crisis happens. You think, oh. Well, they really surprised me because we're not that close, but they were great. And they, I kind of expected a bit more and they weren't so good. Yeah. I've had the odd crisis in my life. Yeah. And I've had to do some regrading. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he, she was a friend. Uh, no. But he was an A. He's I a C say, minus. He's now an acquaintance. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, surprisingly, some of those that I thought were more acquaintances, yeah, I'd now up. say, well, yeah, step up to the plate. Mm. I'd now say were friends. I underrated my mistake. I underrated the extent to which they are much more genuinely friends yeah. in the particular thing. We just hadn't ever right, kind of expressed it that way. We hadn't yeah. really, but I found out in a crisis, found out in a tough time, they actually were the kind of people that I would call friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, next one, call me. You got me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think it's often sometimes it's the nature of the crisis. You know, sometimes people have been through a similar experience themselves. Some people mm. just get it. Some people are more understanding of what you're like. They're less yeah. judgmental of you. I've made the odd error in my life too. They're less judgmental than others, where yeah. others are actually quite judgmental. And I think yeah, that's when right. you say, oh, I thought that person would be supportive, and actually they've just sentenced me to three years of, of, of Yeah, you right. know, No, Ian, you would need to be punished. Mm. Um, not helpful. You yeah. know, so there is this sort of level, and that's kind of hard to know, and I think um, that's why – where we started actually developing or cultivating friendships or taking the time to actually build them, <laughs> you aren't going to know until you really need them <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that, that uh, joke that we were just making of the 20 friends, it might be that 14 turn out to be acquaintances. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's yeah. much smaller. And most people would say, and most, most serious study of these areas suggests that most of us only maintain a relatively small number of these kind of um, – Deeper kind of friendships mm. as distinct from acquaintances. We just we're not we don't really have a hundred Facebook friends. You know we don't yeah. really we have acquaintances and that's yeah. great, but, but we just can't maintain that degree of understanding. We just don't have that much in common with lots of other people either. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so say tips for making friends. So this is relevant whether you're four and you're going to preschool, whether you start a new job, whether you move to a new town uh, and you've left all your friends behind and you need to make some more, or whether you're moving into a retirement village, you know. So, I mean, we, we seem to think it just happens naturally. And if I think back to school and uni and workplaces, there are all these people I didn't know and then it's kind of blurry and then they were friends. You know what I mean? You, it's very hard to think about how it actually happened. But you got to do it. Happen? If you now, want it to happen, how can you make it happen? Well, you have to make it happen. As I think we've discussed before, and um, as no one really believes in one of, I'm basically a fairly shy person. Mm. I don't brush out and sort of chat to people. Now, my own kids these days go, would you stop talking to people? No. <laughs> like, would you stop talking to people in the shop? Would you stop talking to people in – I go, no, no, no. One of the things I've learned over the course of my life is you've got to actually – Be out there. Be out there and just chat with people. And as you chat to people, it's a reciprocal thing. Some people chat back. And then you find out that actually they're more interested in thought. Surprisingly, they're more interested in you than you would have thought. Mm. So you've got to take the opportunity. 
as I say to people in crisis all the time, you know, friends don't really, people don't really come knocking on your door. You've really got to go out and put yourself. So if you yeah. go to a new town, you're in a new place, you've just joined a school, you've just gone to university, you've just joined a new workplace, you actually have to be proactive. You have to make some effort to try and say who you are and what you're interested in. And you raised a really interesting thing, I think, which is often easier to join in a task. If there's a volunteer group on yeah, at the right. local hall, if there's some local, you know, bush people cleaning activity, whatever, people mm. go to church. Mm. Actually, churches are really interesting. I mean, for a lot of people who are struggling, going and joining a local church, going to a local group, going and meeting with people, you know, taking that first step into those social things where there's lots of potential acquaintances. Mm. You can just meet people without obligation. You know, it's a try before you buy. You can just see. Mm. And within that, if you can find people of similar temperament, similar interest, whatever else, often you'll start to develop those friendships. And then the next step of that is reinforcing that, is actually bothering to specifically talk to those people, be in mm. contact with those people. It's and we have asking people on a date, isn't it? Not quite as high stakes, but uh, do you want to have a game of tennis sometime? Cup of coffee, join the tennis. Yeah. Cup of coffee, join our tennis group, come to the local or whatever. So some people are good recruiters to that. You know, some some organisational people are really good at bringing new people in. Mm. That's great. Mm. Some of us who are not so good at doing that need to actually take the chance to join yeah. uh, a tennis group, to join a uh, some sort of community thing. I mean, you know, people go join book clubs or they go join other particular things. And particularly if you are shy and you are reserved and you're not naturally like that, mm. taking some time to do that. Or if you have the opportunity structured through workplaces, you know, the workplace type things, people are going out to have a beer after work or they're going out to have a dinner or they're doing some particular function. For God's sake, join in. <laughs> you know, actually yeah. take the op- – no, too say busy. Yes. Say yes. Mm. Even if you go and you get there and then you go home and you say to your intimate partner or whatever, oh, my God, what a dud that was. <laughs> I, I remember years ago in my 20s, a friend of mine – He'd been in a relationship for a while and uh, the relationship had ended. And he said, uh, I'm just going to go through a period of just saying yes to everything. I've been a bit discerning. I've been enjoying the, you know, the home life, but that's, you know, different now. So it's yes, yes, yes. And he did. And he had a good time. Exactly. So I think this is a learning thing. I mean, mm. you know, some people have been very extroverted, you know, done, done that their whole life and have derived the benefit of it. Mm. <laughs> Some people have to make a real effort to do it. Yes. Like you. Me. And me. Yeah, like mm. you. Us sensitive people, we have to make a mm. bit more of an effort. Mm. People don't think it's an effort, but it is an effort. Yeah. But the rewards from it are actually considerable. Yeah, they are. You know, in a particular way. And then I think if you find within that that there are particular people that you do get on with, <laughs> could you imagine that there are people who listen to me? <laughs> you know, or people seem to respond or seem to get my perspective. They seem to get my perspective about the world. Mm. They're worth cultivating. Yeah. You try They're to- worth having a beer with, having a coffee with, going and doing stuff with. Go for a walk. Go and walk with. Go and do whatever it is you do in common. You may well have a common interest mm. in particular things. You know, share stuff in a particular way. It may be go to the football together. It may be go to the art gallery together. It may be go do stuff. So I really like to see these days much, much more. I see male friends and whatever who've gone out with their male friends and they've gone to the theatre together and whatever. I go, mm, nice. good on you. Yeah. You know, that's really smart. I'm really glad to see you do that. So some people might say, and I think I've thought this at times in my life, look, I, you know, I've got a reasonably busy work life that is good. Um, I've married with some kids. And I like my wife and I like my kids and I like spending time with them. And, 
Well, I think I got everything I need. So what argument would you have in favour of? Is it just the insurance argument? If things go bad, you'll need friends? Or alternatively, is there another argument that even if things seem to be going okay and you want to spend lots of time with your family and you've got job commitments, you should still find time for friends because? Because your mental health will be better. And why? And also, your relationships with those other people will be better. Why? Well, there's a sort of gradation. The question you hate, why? No. (laughs) All right. Now I'll give you an answer. Because we're more social animals. Yeah, right. We are more social animals. Hmm. And the novelty and the difference and the differential level of those particular things. We're not that well suited to being locked into the limited number of activities, emotional you just described, Hmm. work and a small intimate kind of thing. We're not really like that. Hmm. And in fact, a lot of those other relationships and things are enriched by actually spending more time with other people. Funny, isn't it? You bring, on, you, you bring new experiences Yeah, back. yeah, and they're novel and they're different. Mm. And actually, so, you know, I'm going to go back to a really basic brain kind of thing. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, your brain kind of contracts. <laughs> you right. don't form new synaptic connections. You don't respond. We respond to novelty and we respond to difference and it, it evokes from us different sets of responses. Mm. Different people evoke different sets of responses, right? Mm. So That's actually – wider range of emotionality, of experience and whatever, cognitively, emotionally, you're better off Mm. by doing different things. And this includes in the emotional world, if you like, or the relationship world, spending time with different kinds of people, you know. Otherwise, we tend to get bored and contract. Bogged down. Bogged down. Yeah, right. Repetitive. And then then trouble follows. And then also there's the insurance argument. When your wife and kids kick you out, you're going to need someone. All right. Just quietly now to the males in the audience. As an insurance policy as well, it's a very good one. Yeah. And, and females. Yeah. I mean, well, well, yes. that. Well, yes, that's true. Sorry, I shouldn't have been so gender specific. It just yeah. tends to be that many women sort of seem to intrinsically know it and do it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas many blokes do exactly what you said, right? They do an accounting exercise. Wife, good. Kids still talking to me. That's a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Got a good job. That's it. Don't need to do any more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, mistake. So um, you alluded to it earlier when friendships go wrong, when there's a little thing that makes you think, oh, they let me down or they, you know, I didn't like what they said about that. I'm just going to ice them. And it's pretty easy. It's much easier to do that th- than with your partner. With your partner you live with and you might, you know, ice each other for a day or two, but then you get sick of it and you have to work things out because you live together. But with friends, it's pretty easy just to let a little thing become a big thing. Yeah, so this boundary between sort of friendships and intimates is kind of hard, you know, because the intimates are going on all the time. Yeah, so you've got to fix it. <laughs> there are ups, there's downs, there's conflict, you know, the weather changes, storm came in, thank God the sun's come out, you know, but there's an underlying kind of, belief, if you like, in some continuity or whatever's going to happen. And there are important emotional trade-offs in all of that. Friends trying to get that right, a bit tricky. So when there's the loss of that kind of division between friendship and kind of intimacy, so people can have very high expectations of their friends. They can. And get let down. Friends can get overly intrusive in stuff they shouldn't get intruding in. Oh, I think you should do this. Oh, you you know, your husband, you know, he's a really bad guy. Or you really, and I really going to, I'm going to have a word with him. (laughs) You know, I'm going to, I'm going to rush in and support you Mm. or whatever else, you know, or, you know, in various ways and and start to then intrude in other areas. Mm. 
and not being clear that that's not really what friends are best at. <laughs> Mm. You know, or it can so, kind of be little things, can't it? Like if you send a friend a text message, I really need to talk to you and it might be something really important to you and for whatever reason they miss it or they don't get back and suddenly reply. they become the person who you reached out to and who let you down and it can become a big thing. Yeah, two ways. So unreal. that's a good example, James, actually, unrealistic expectation of friends. Hey, he's just a friend. Like he's not, you know, right. I don't really have the same expectations of him that I have of my intimate partner or, yeah. or, or some other, you know, family member where I really do expect them, mm. you know, reasonably expect them to be engaged with the particular issue, you know. So mm. both ways, unrealistic expectations of friends or friends becoming overly intrusive, Yeah, <laughs> getting overly intimate with um, messes friendships up. Yeah, you know, and those places things too much burden on the friendship, really. Yeah, and those things can go on. You know, as I said, it's pretty easy to put a friendship on ice for a long time because it's not like you. If you don't live in the same street, you probably won't see them unless one of you makes a conscious effort. So I wonder if there's you know many cases where that's happened, and then people have kind of bumped into each other at the airport and talked about whatever the thing is and realised that it was all a terrible misunderstanding and had a big hug. Yes. I think that is a that uh, that's actually an interesting one. So I think that does happen all the time and there's a misunderstanding mm. one party or other draws, oh, you, yeah. draws inference that wasn't really justified. So yeah. a great study came out this week from the United States of older people recontacting friends. They hadn't spoken to someone for 30 years. Mm. And often the assumption something had gone wrong or whatever. Yeah. So there's a big study encouraging them to ring a friend. Ring someone you haven't talked to for 30 years. And people were really reluctant. Oh, look, I think we fell out. Or they won't know me. Or whatever. And what they found was they picked up the phone and went, oh, James, why haven't you rung for the last thing? Where have you been? What? Yeah. No, we didn't fight. You just what? What's happened to what you? Are you you, talking just, you about? just moved, or you're dead? I thought you just lost interest, or you know, so it was a, often there was a misunderstanding, you know, or just hadn't happened. Mm. But interestingly, you know, people were really interested. That the, the nature of, if you like, I think a genuine friendship is you could pick up the phone after thirty yeah. years and more or less pick up where you left off. How are you, mate? <laughs> Go in our things. You wouldn't believe what's happened in the and last 30 on. years. but <laughs> We've all Googled friends we haven't seen for 30 <laughs> years. What are they up to? Sorry about my sneeze, by the way, in case anyone was. Who was that sneezing? It was me, okay? Um, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? So, so, I mean, if you're on the verge of one of those little things where you feel like, okay, that I'm going to ice this friendship, what advice would you have? Oh, clarify. I know I said. I know I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the whole point of this episode is friendships are precious things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you've got good ones, and I think we've made this new differentiation here, friendships versus acquaintances, mm. which come and go, mm. they aren't that easy. Really good friendships aren't that easy to actually develop and maintain. Yeah. And I think this is the issue. We all, we all have a lot of – we don't all, but we tend to make and break social relationships all the time depending on where we work, where we live, what we're doing, various ways people, people we know. Mm. But you wouldn't say they're friends. Yeah, yeah. Real friendships actually, you know, often have been forged by adversity or from development or there's some critical period you've shared together. I mean, bringing up kids together, you know, there's some period you have where you get it. So, you know, I said my test was someone you can rely on when things get bad. So that that's true for me anyway. But there's also the thing of they get me and I can relax around them. I can and be me. Yeah, I can be I me. I can let my mouth go and if something comes out a bit wrong, 
they're not going to look at me like I'm a you know terrible person. It's just going to they're just going to move on. Yeah, you know they're not going to judge. Yeah, well we talk, talk about being judged. well. There's someone to let me be me. Yeah, and me, you know, me unplugged sometimes is just me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and sometimes you know outside of various things, it needs to be me unplugged. You know, it just I just need yeah. a chance to be me. It's also I think a good test is one you could ring up to th- after after thirty years. And pick up the, you'd be pretty confident you could pick up the conversation where you left it off. Yeah. And they'd pick it up in a fairly interested, like, oh, what the hell have you been doing? But also in a fairly non judgmental kind of way. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be, you know, critical of you. Where have you been for the last 30 years? Why didn't you call? <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. They'd just be thrilled that you'd remade contact. And yeah. actually, actually, you made an interesting passing comment about Facebook and other and Googling people and whatever. These days, we have ways of finding people. Really interesting thing in the sadly ageing age group that I'm in is people are looking up at each other all over the world. What's become of X, Y, Z? Yeah. And they're sending messages to each other. And when the person on the other end goes, so glad you called, you know, or whatever. And, if, of course, if they, they don't reply, well, <laughs> we can leave it there. You know, but other people do go, oh, look, just the way life went and the busyness of Lives, families, careers, you know. So I think in, a, in an interesting way, despite all the criticisms of social media and everything else, it's a new way of actually rekindling various levels of social connection yeah. and gives us opportunities to make contact with people and people might not be physically in the same part of the world with and whatever else and, you know, really renew these sort of social connections that do matter. So um, I, here's an example of how the intimacy doesn't uh, do, doesn't vanish. So during COVID, I had this um, Zoom every couple of weeks with this group of me and five others, six friends from uni, right? And but one of us had disappeared completely, and and no one had heard anything from him for twenty years. And after about the second Zoom, I thought, I'm going to find him. So I went on social media, found him via LinkedIn and said, we're doing this Zoom from 7.30. I'm going to send you the link. I'm not going to tell anyone. Just join at 7.45. And his name's Jimmy, but back at uni, for some reason, his nickname was Dog. Not in a bad way, just in a nice way. Just was. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're doing this Zoom, the five of us at 7.30, and then at 7.45, just Jimmy's face appears and no one had seen him for 20 years. And all the other guys, they just went, dog! <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say, Jimmy, is that you, Jimmy? It's <laughs> just just like, dog. Straight away. And within about 25 seconds, it was, you know, 1985 again. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, I mean, you know, really- and there's the thing about some of these new tools and things that we have. I mean, I'm p- lucky to have sort of colleagues and then people I would call friends all around the world. You know, they're in different parts of yeah, the world, yeah. so professional kind of things people have known. And you can, in in an instant, be suddenly back in contact with them. You know, don't have to fly around the world. Or, yeah, it's good. Mind you, it gives you less excuse for not being in contact. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sorry I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could have Zoomed. You could have called. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a good way, though. I've got a couple now that are every few weeks – and just for an hour on a Monday or a Wednesday night, and not everyone comes all the time, but just have a chat for an hour and a drink if you want. It's good. It's good we can do that now. I couldn't do it five years ago, really. No, so I think that's an upside. And I do think, just to pick up the last thing I was alluding to, which I mean, I was sort of being flippant about, about saying unplugged. I think there are areas where we just need to be ourselves in a more relaxed kind of yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's non-judgmental. It's just relaxed and just, you know, take that time to sort of, 
let's just say we all carry around degrees of frustration, difficulty. We're all transacting other intimate and family relationships all the time that are complicated. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to be you. And friends is a good place. Yeah. Or to put that. it another way, to speak a bit of shit. I wasn't going to get – yeah, now you mention it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> to say things, crap to, to say people things, that don't care. Yes. Well, they understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And also those big groups, just final thing, group of five or six, it's going to be more of a speaking shit conversation r- rather than usually kind of intimate, you know, me and my wife and da-da-da or me and my husband or whatever. That's more a one-on-one thing, isn't it? Would yeah. you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, interesting, I think those friendship – now you've raised two issues here. I think the individual friend and crisis, you might want their individual support. But those five or six groups are also important, I think, because you can transact a whole lot of yeah. social issues and say things and sort of workshop. Talk about the stuff. government. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you can be doing, you know, the state issues. of origin. I mean, yeah, how bad right. was it? I mean, yeah, whatever. Like in a group of six, you don't want to come on Zoom and say, okay, guys, I really want to talk about my marital problems. <laughs> For the next half hour, is everyone cool with that? Yeah. That's more look, a, yeah. after the Zoom, you ring one of them and say, actually, you know, there's this issue. You might, yeah, yeah. So I think they do all these other so, – you raised a really important issue earlier on, why, which I guess you know, is a question mm, I hate, mm, but you did raise it. Why? This is the why. This is stuff you don't do in the interrelationships in families and you can, yeah. you can do. And they're important social discourse. They're important social sort of transactions. Help us get through everyday life. Well said. Friendship. If you've got any questions, comments, if you want to suggest further topics for us, please send us an email at mindingyourmind2 at gmail.com. That's mindingyourmind, numeral 2 at gmail.com. Minding Your Mind is supported by Future Generation Global and the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health. Further helps available from Headspace, Beyond Blue, Head to Health and Lifeline. Just Google them. You can call Lifeline on 13 11 14.